Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of Beyond Grit with Robert Young. So this happened, my daughter, love of my life, my firstborn, 21, she turned 21 this weekend. Um, If that doesn't make you pause and uh, go, holy cow, I can't believe how quickly uh, life has gone and how quickly she's grown up into this strong, beautiful, powerful woman. Um, 21. And um, it was great. It was great watching her. I think she had a fantastic day. She spent it with um, her boyfriend and uh, not with her parents, but I tried. I tried. Nicole said uh, that was the last thing that uh, somebody turning 21 uh, wants to do is spend with their parents. But uh, I tried. Um, But uh, at 21, man, I I remember myself back at 21. I was working and I think I stayed up to 21 and some friends of ours walked to the grocery store. I was able to buy a 12 pack of probably Bush Light at that time and head back, have one beer, go to sleep and wake up and go to work in the morning. Um, but 21 is was such a great age. That's when you finally feel like you've conquered everything. You've got the, the world is all in front of you and you can own it and you do own it. And uh, what a great age, but uh, super proud. Super glad that uh, my kids are growing up and uh, pursuing their dreams and doing what they want to do, and uh, it's really great to watch. So this week's episode, I've got Jonathan Copsey on, and Jonathan has done so many things in his short life, and that's his whole uh, mo. That's that's what he wants to do. He he moves on from one thing to the next to the next, and not that he's doing it halfway. But he just pursues his passion. And when he was younger, growing up, he wanted to be a Bronco rider. So that's what he did. And he started riding Broncos, actually got a a scholarship uh, to high school uh, for riding Broncos. And then, you know, then that turned and he became a bullfighter. And um, as a bullfighter, He was the one, you know, he was the guy that was dressed in, sometimes they were in the clown suits, sometimes not, but they were there to protect the cowboys, the cowboys that were bull riding, that were riding the bulls. And I was like, holy cow, this is awesome because you don't hear that. You don't hear that side of the story. And I I was very fortunate to be able to talk to somebody about it and get a little bit of knowledge on that part of the sport. Um, Then, I mean, he moved from there to the military, to cycling, to, you know, what he's doing today. And it it was just an incredible story. Um, I think he just sits back. He is fortunate. He feels like his life is a gift and he's going to live it to its full capacity. And um, it was really cool to sit down with him and chat. So sit back, grab something to drink, and I hope you enjoy Jonathan. Take care. So today I'm sitting down with Jonathan Copsey and Jonathan has all kinds of cool things that he's done 
in his life. And we're going to try to touch on most of them. Um, he has been, he was a bullfighter and he was the one that, you know, they call them, you know, the, the rodeo clowns, but you know, we're not going to a rodeo clown. He was a bullfighter. And which is really cool when I found that out because I have no idea what they do. And most people don't, they, they everybody looks at the cowboy. So we're going to talk about that. Um, he was in the Marine Corps. He's an ultra runner, professional cyclist, and now climbs trees for a living. So we're going to talk about what he's up to now. And, uh, we're going to get some background story and, and, uh, see how he got to where he is right now. So Jonathan, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're, when we talked last, so you're a tree climber. Now, do you go up, um, just like local stuff that you take down trees and people's yards, or you were just telling me how you were up near like the high power lines and stuff like that is. Yeah. So there's, there's a few areas of the tree care industry. Um, there's a residential side, which is like what a lot of times customer will call and say, I need a tree down or I need my tree trimmed. Um, and, and those are the guys who come and do that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also a commercial side, which is uh, where I recently moved over to. Um, so we get contracted out by like a power company to come clear the lines uh, for the power line, you know, clear the, clear the trees for the power lines. Mm -hmm. And so you'll either see guys in bucket trucks or you'll see what we do is I'm, I'm what's called a backlot climber. And those guys are all, all the power lines that run in the, in the backyards of people's houses. That's what we trim for. Okay. So I basically will go into a backyard and I climb up a tree, usually very close to the power lines. And I, I trim it for what uh, the power company needs their specs to be. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Uh, well, I've been doing the backlog climbing since about April of this year. Okay. But I've been climbing since for, for a few years and everything now. Now, where do you live? I live in, uh, well, we'll just say Buffalo, New York. I live, I live in a small town close to Buffalo. Okay. Little, it's right. about 30 minutes south of Buffalo. Um, but you're, yeah. You're so doing many, that all winter. Yep. And so that's one, uh, another thing that's nice about it is that there, no matter what the trees need to be trimmed for the power lines. Um, and so we're, it's a year round thing, even in the winter time, you know, now are you using the gaffs? Are you gaffing up those trees? So that's yeah. So with, with utility climbing, what we do, we use gas all the time. Um, on the residential side, unless it's a takedown or anything, you don't use, you don't use the gaffs. We use them just mainly for a safety standpoint and other things and a bunch of other reasons without getting into a debate of, I hope, you know, yeah, hurting the a, trees and stuff like that. Yeah. There's yeah. going to be a bunch of purists or if people, you know, but, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta climb close to probably at least 15 trees a day. And that's, that's just, it's not, you know, yeah. It's not, not very good, not conducive for what we got to do and everything, but. Now, how's the safety in that industry? Uh, well, safety is paramount. Yeah. For us. 
Yeah, no matter what, because one wrong move, one wrong anything, it could either be my life or the guys on the ground. Um, now, do you guys always work in teams of two, three, four guys? Yeah. So usually with what we do, there's at least one ground guy per climber. Okay. So, so no matter what, there's always a guy on the ground for me uh, when I'm up in the tree you know, with, he'll give me whatever, with whatever I need things. He can also see things that I can't depending on the view, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I rely on him as much as I rely on my own site and everything like that uh, with when it comes to the power lines. Now, have you always lived up in the North? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I've, I've lived. I'm mean, we, my wife and my kids and I, well, at the time, my one son, we moved out here in July of 2018 or yeah, August of 2018. Excuse me. From where? We moved from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. Is that where you knew Jeremy from? No, no. So I met, yeah. I met Jeremy through an old cycling coach that I had. He was the guy who literally discovered me everything. His name is uh, Mike Derner. And I met Jeremy through Mike Derner. Okay. Yeah. He was a fun dude. He was a good dude. Um, all right. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump because I want to know about the rodeo and we'll, we'll go right. to the rodeo. So describe, let everybody know what you did in the rodeo and how old were you when you were doing that? Uh, so I started out rodeoing, uh, in high school rodeo. There's, you know, there's all, it's just like high school sports, but it's just high school rodeo. There's districts, all sorts of things. And was this farm. in Colorado? Oh uh, no, this was in California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Northern Bleed California. Me. Well, yeah. Northern central and Northern bleed or not. There's a lot of rodeos in Southern California. Okay. Um, there's tons of, yeah. Once you get out of just the, the quote unquote, you know, uh, LA areas and everything, even in Southern California, there's a lot of agriculture and horse country and big ranches and, um, everything like that, but it all started out there Okay. Uh, in high school. Um, for some reason I told my dad, I wanted to be a bronc rider <laughs> and he, he, uh, said, all right, well, I got a cowboy who's going to break a bunch of horses and then he'll put you on them all. And I said, all right, sweet. So he put me on them all and I got bucked off of every single horse and just got beat up bad. And uh, he goes, still want to do it? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And he was like, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now as a father, I can see why. Yeah. But uh, So I started there and going high school rodeoing and everything. And um uh, during high school, I was going to right out of high school, I was going to join the Marine Corps, but then I got a scholarship to college for riding, uh, Bronx, which is the buck and horses. Okay. Um, and so I was like, wow, that's great. Like a scholarship for school. This is, and it was, it was a small college. So it wasn't like anything, whatever. It, I didn't care. It was a great opportunity. So I ran with it. I said, yep. why not? This is awesome. So I got a, a scholarship and then, um, one day during uh, our practices, you know, because we had practices every so often for to just keep up and keep sharp and everything. Uh, we didn't have any bullfighters for the bull riders. 
you know, and those are the guys that were literally, they step in the way, they shoot the gap, they, they do whatever needs to be done for the Cowboys so that he can walk away safely after he either gets bucked off or he makes his eight second ride and he steps away, you know? And so, and we didn't have anybody at the time. So I was like, I, I raised my hand. I said, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, I fell in love with it from the first time that I, I was out in that different area in the arena to ready to, to save those Cowboys. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I started doing that. And I, I, um, I got picked up by some other stock contractors and everything, uh, to, uh, the, who they would always pay me. And it was great because as a bullfighter, you always get paid, you always get a check, you know, and as a bull rider or a bronc rider, you, you have to, place to make your check yeah well this is a great term time you know a turn of events because then i no matter what i get paid i'm still rodeo and this is great uh so i did that and and it's it's a it was a it was an amazing time i loved every second of it you know like you're kind of an unsung hero yeah Um, yeah there was there was a bunch of mexican rodeos that i would that I would uh, fight too as well. Um, they're smaller rodeos, but they were just as crazy. They're actually some of the more fun times that I had because there's usually a big band and everything going on. But um, they would they would call you the payaso, which is uh-huh. like a clown or some. I don't, they you know I'm pretty sure they called me an angel, all sorts of things you know. And like they're just they're very great. Everyone was always super grateful of of what you were doing for them. Oh, yeah. see that's interesting. And, and before we went, you know, started recording, I, you know, I had a ton of questions because you, you hear so much about the cowboy and you don't hear the other side, you don't hear, you know, your story. Um, what, how many of you guys are out there? Uh, usually there's, there's at least there has, there should be at least two. Um, so that way uh, two guys can run for like work both sides. Um, of of the bull basically you know and sometimes there's three or four uh-huh. but that you guys gotta you you really gotta know how to fight or you gotta know how to work together in unison so you don't get in each other's way so are um, you guys trying to pull the bull away from the cowboy or are you trying to direct that bull back into you know the corral well no you're trying to pull him away from the cowboy okay you know what i mean um and, and the bulls nowadays are trained so well and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're basically bred to do a job, you mm-hmm. know, and they love to do their job. Uh, they're not mistreated in any way or anything, um, but they're, they're bred to do a job and some bulls are hot. Some aren't meaning like some bulls will go after a guy and just some won't. Okay. Um, so depending on how the bull rider gets bucked off or steps off of the bull, that's when you have to go in and do some, you know, do whatever you got to do. There's without going into it crazy, but. Yeah. Are you guys kind of off to the side while yeah, they go so, in? And then you, I'm sure you know that he's about to get bucked off or. You yeah. Know. You can read, you can read a bull. You can read him. And a lot of times of seeing what's going on, what's kind of, what's about to happen. Uh, sometimes you can't, you have to react, you know, uh, immediately to what goes on. 
Uh-huh. Um, but generally you're, you're out there and you don't want to, you don't want to move too much because like the bulls will go towards that movement and that could mess up, you know, a lot of what they're going to do or how they, how they're bucking basically. Yeah. So did you stop, um, broncoing? Uh, I did after a while, uh, riding Bronx just cause I'd start, I just love, you know, uh, fighting bulls and everything a lot more, but I originally, I, I did that for so for so long, still in California and going all over the place and doing whatever. But then I that's when I joined the Marine Corps after that. Okay. All right. How was that? How old were you when you joined the Marine Corps? 21. 21. So it was some time after high school and everything. Okay. I joined. I I graduated high school when I was 17. So there was there was a decent amount of time afterwards. Did you finish up at college? Uh no, no. <laughs> well, okay. not not during that time. I have recently. I, yeah, I did. I've gone back and I got my bachelor's in business and everything. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Now, during the time, it just you know, it was uh, it, a lot of other things other, going on. A lot of other things going on, and my my sights weren't on on the scholastic side of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what year um, did you go into uh, the Marine Corps? Uh, I joined in 2008. Okay. So there was, you're, you're still some action. Yeah. Well, yes and no, there yeah. was going on. Um, I joined the Marine Corps. Um, it pulled, it pulled at me too much. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I was born in America. I'm an American, but I, I wanted to earn my right as an American. So that's, and it still pulled on me. And so I, I, you know, even what was going on then and everything, I still wanted to join and uh -huh. be a part of something bigger than myself. And so I joined the Marine Corps and uh, I was like a recruiter's dream. And <laughs> I walked in and I said, when was the fastest you could get me out? And it was, it, <laughs> there, it was like, as soon as, as soon as they could, I was out on the yellow footprints, um, of the uh, recruit depot in San Diego and their way went. Yeah. How yeah. long did you stay in? Well, not too shortly after I got into a uh, really, really bad car accident. Okay. That's when, when we were training and everything and they, they shut down and I got a really bad concussion. And then, so long story short, they, they had to med board me out of the Marine Corps. Okay. God, yeah. that's tough. You're the second person I'd that I've talked to that that's happened, you know, and, uh, one was in the army and then now this one. And, and I told him I had stories. I was a fireman for 16 oh, nice. years yeah. um, before moving to North Carolina. And, and we had a couple guys that were medically discharged off the fire department. And, uh, I was like, it, it kind of, it super sucks because yeah. you know they didn't have, the opportunity to make that decision. That's what I was talking to the other yeah. guy about. And uh, so what'd you do after that? Once you, because that didn't oh. roll the way you wanted it to roll. No, it really didn't, you know, and it's still something I, I, I deal with to this day. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's always hard only because it's, it, it's what I wanted to do. I joined and did all these things and, but I had to make something of it, you know, yeah. you can't have really like a woe is me kind of, mentality or a you know just stay beat down but uh 
while I was still in the Marine Corps, uh, they put me at this battalion called the Wounded Warrior Battalion there in San Diego. And when I was still in recovery and doing all these things, they took my license away medically just because I, I couldn't drive. There's no way. Um, and so uh, when I was cleared to exercise, I couldn't where we were out, we we're at at the base. It was it was it took an hour for the bus to get into town. And so uh, I didn't want to wait ride the bus all the time. And you always can't count on friends. So I started running everywhere. Uh, just to get to places, I just literally just would run, walk, whatever had to do, but I would just go on my own. And then I would always pass this, uh, this old Marine is Vietnam vet Marine who was an amputee and below the amputee. He stepped on a landmine in Vietnam and, uh, he would take, he would go, he would ride his bike there to the wounded warrior battalion and he would take Marines out cycling to show them how cycling and certain things had helped him. Um, because with whatever, what was going on, post-traumatic stress, all these things like cycling was something that he could control. Okay. Um, and certain things. And he's, he's, a, this guy is an amazing man. His name is Jim Pensiers. Um, and he is the, the softest, most kindest, gentle, guy in the world and he's the most humble man i've ever met um lo and behold he's in the ultra cycling hall of fame uh he was the first guy ever to ride his bike across the united states in this race called race across america and his brother uh pete was also the winner and had the land speed record for uh the race for the longest time and it was set in 1983 and it was recently broke a couple of years ago, but him and the two brothers were just legends in this race. Wow. So, and he will never tell you, he's just, Oh yeah. You know, I did some racing, you know, whatever. He's just one of those guys <laughs> that, you know, but we'll teach you everything that you ever would ever need to know. Um, so we finally, he would always tell me, I cross paths in the night. You would always tell me, why don't you come on out to, uh, ride bikes you know i see you running i'm sure you have a huge engine you could ride a bike no problem i'm like dude i'm good yeah. i'm gonna run that's what i'm doing i'm not gonna shave my legs i'm not wearing spandex thanks but no thanks <laughs> and uh so he would just every time he's why don't you just come on out just come out and try it just try it and i'm like all right fine so i finally tried it one day and i think we only rode like 10 miles and uh i was crushed I, you know, I didn't know what hit me. I felt like I was hit with a sack of bricks. It was amazing. Yeah. And, um, I fell in love with cycling. I was like, this is great. I can get to places faster. I don't have to run. It's like a lot less, you know, uh, impact on the body. This is great. Well, and then I found out about the race and six months later, I trained and did all these things. And I was in the race across America. He inspired me to ride and do the race. Wow. After six months. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I had to take leave for it and all these things and get uh, spandex for it and stuff. I, lo and behold, I ended up shaving my legs and wearing yeah. spandex. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. You admit it. <laughs> <laughs> so six months and you, you train, how many guys did it? The, this um, race. Was well, it like an organized race? Like, Hey, we're going to bunch yeah. of guys and you're going to go, or did you guys so do it as teams? You, 
the way it works is there's single, double, four-man, and eight-man teams. Um, and no matter what, each team has to ride for a charity. You can't do it, you know, for anything other than a charity. Um, and so there's, there's a set route. Everybody's on the same route, no matter what, you know, what you're doing. You have to have a team with you of cars, all sorts of things. Um, you know, there's one following you no matter what at nighttime, you know, and the crew has it harder than the rider, I think, because they have yeah. logistical nightmares and they have to take care of you as well as take care of themselves, which is really hard. It's, yeah. It's really hard because riders can become pretty big prima donnas and emotions roll. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Did but you? It, uh, was it 24 hours? Yes, it's nonstop. So it starts in and or uh, excuse me, it starts in Oceanside, California that year, and ended in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. So you go basically, you start in California, then you go to Arizona, and you go up towards the Four Corners into Colorado, then Kansas, and then after that, it's pretty much a blur. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you just head east uh, through all that, and you go through all sorts of stuff, and um, but yeah. What different terrain? Okay. I think it, I think it would be better to go from east to the west. Everybody would think that, but it's much harder because of the prevailing winds. Ah, okay, all right. Much much harder to do that. Um, what so, was the charity you rode for? Uh, it was it was for Huntington's disease. Okay. Yeah, the team it was called Team to Cure Huntington's Disease. Nice. How many people were on your team? Uh, we were on a four-man team. And okay. We did it in 10 days and 22 hours. Wow. After those things, um, are you guys, when, when it's done, because I always have this, you know, when you, when you do something that's um, very hard, when you're finished, you're like, ooh, I'm glad it's over, but then now I miss it. And then when can I do something again? Right. That happens all the time. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's just a weird psyche that we have. You, I think it's more of, uh, I don't want to say addicted, but you get, you get it. It's hard because you go through so much suffering. You go through this long, arduous journey and then the finish and the finish is so great. But in reality, it was like, you look back at what you just had to do and go through from the time you start training to the grit and everything you had to sacrifice to now you're in the event and you're still suffering. You're still going through everything together. You're cheering each other on You're you're, you know, you're bleeding, you're sweating, you're, you know, everything, all emotions are out on the floor. And I think that, I think people get addicted to the whole journey as opposed to the finish. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Because once it's finished after a lot of the times, there was always such a big drop and let down and then, and then what you have to start something else. You got to figure something else out. We right. did, we did a, um, a ride and it's nothing like that, but, it was, it was a, we, we rode mountain bikes 
Um, and it was four of us and we started in Durango and we rode to Moab and it was, it was so much fun, but it was just like you said, you know, but you, you you were, I mean, at times, one time we ran out of water one time, you know, and you're just grinding every single day. And I remember after the first day, I was like, what the hell did we sign up for? And then it gets gets better and better and better. And it still sucks and grind. But yeah. And then you look back and you're like, God, I wish I had more days of, of riding with those people and being there. And you miss it. You get attached to what is actually really going on, you know? And, and, And I love stuff like that because, uh, someone, I don't know who it was, but someone said that you in warrior you you either find out whether you're a hero or a coward and, yeah and war not meaning specifically war but it's it it's a it's a battle in your mind of what's going to go on yeah and, and you find out really what you're going to do yeah you do i mean you figure out what you're made of pretty quickly yeah you know and so i i think you got to find out, you know, and even if you are end up being a coward, you still learn from what you're going to do and hopefully you can flip that around and yeah, work with it. But I think we're going to, we're actually doing it again next year. We're going to ride from Telluride and to Moab. And I I think it's going to be a little bit different because when we did it before, it was just the grind of getting from point A to point B. B to C, C to where now you kind of, you get it. And I hope mm-hmm. we take a little bit of time and enjoy it a little bit more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So, but you did more in the cycling too. Yeah. So you, you did that. And where did that cycling take you? So, uh, after the race, um, that got me on the radar with um, one of the Paralympic national team coaches, Mike Derner. And he was like, why don't you, why don't you come on out, you know, try out for the team we we'll see where you stand we'll see where your times are. And, and, and uh, you know, see if we can work for you and see if you can get on yourself on a team. I'm like, dude, not at all. No, thanks. Uh, Cause at that time I, I had gotten out and I was, I lived, uh, like a block away from the beach um, in San Diego. And I lived with a couple other guys and we uh, lived in a church and we took care of the church and I went to the church and everything. And we, we, we took care of the church for all the services and we were able to live there for free. So I was literally just surfing and riding my bike full time. And I, I, it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> so at the time when he was like, why don't you come on out? And I was like, dude, no, Thanks. I, I got it going on right now. I'm, I'm literally a, a bum and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a little bit later down the road, he got me to go to the national championships in Augusta, Georgia uh, in 2011. It took him about a year to get me out to come and come and do this. Cause the Ram was in 2010 and the, national championships was in 2011. So I came and I tried out. I, I just, you know, it was like, whatever. I went there and uh, I took second in the time trial and I won the road race. Um, 
And then that got me uh, a slot to be at the world championships that year in Denmark. Okay. So I went to Denmark and this was a whole other journey. And I was like, this is, I'm, this is great. I get to ride my bike and do all this crazy stuff and get to travel the world. And I'm going to chase this passion. Might as well. Let's yeah. run with it right now. Um, and so I did, and, and I did really well that year. I think I took like six, fifth or six. I can't remember, but when I did well, that got me a spot to live at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. And so that's what brought me out to Colorado. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> that's where this journey is. It's been, a, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind of a journey that. <laughs> yeah. All on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to interject a little bit, but no, keep going. No interject if you want. I mean, it. I like so it. when you when you go, you know, to Denmark and you're doing all these these things, is somebody sponsoring you? Uh so there. So when you're doing this, you're you're a Team USA. Ah, okay. So they were, you fall under the the sponsors that sponsor uh, Team USA and everything like that. So um, I eventually got some sponsors, but in reality, you, you you're sponsored by whoever sponsors the teams and stuff like that. Okay. And they yeah. pay your way though. Yep. Yeah. So when I was on the team, they paid for the journey out there, the hotel, everything. It, it's, you, you know, you have, it's a full on team of people who take care of you. We have mechanics and we have coaches and they monitor everything. They have training camps. They have all, you know, it's a, you're a professional athlete. Wow. Like, no what, and you are, you are a professional athlete and uh, I, you know, did I you did enjoy early. that? I did at first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it because it was this brand new adventure. And it was, I, I'm a person who, who, if I'm passionate about something, I chase it with my full heart. I get obsessed and I, I, I chase it with my full heart. Yeah. Uh, no matter what. So it was, it was great. And opportunities strike like that. And I'm passionate about something. Oh man, you got to jump on it. You'll see me. Yeah. You'll see me just go. And so now you're in Colorado Springs. Yes, sir. And where's that leading to? So I was living at the Olympic training center. And so you have to compete and stay within the top 5% of the country to live there. So just cause you're there doesn't mean you've made it. You can lose your spot, you know, and all sorts of things. And so that's what, so long story short, I, I trained there and lived there as an athlete, um, as a cyclist and going all over the world, going to races. And, and basically my sole purpose was to ride the bike. Now, when you, like, when you drop out of that 5%, are they just like adios or? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, you know, I got asked to leave, uh, a few times just, but I would always, uh, it wasn't because of performance things. Uh, it was more of my attitude at certain times. Okay. <laughs> because, All right. because I am so passionate, I'm so passionate about uh, what I do a lot of times. Sometimes my emotions can get the better of me. Okay. So there's be times when it would, it would get hot and I would, I would say things that I shouldn't, but I would, I got kicked out a few times of the training center, but I always got 
back in because I would have to compete for another spot to live there and everything like that. Yeah. It's so funny that more and more you're hearing about sports psychology and the mental aspect of sport is huge. Yeah. And it's just like you were saying, you know, I mean, when people get into that arena, their mindset is so different oh, and, yeah. and late and it's focused and they don't want anything to mess with anything, yep. you know, and, and dealing with that. And, uh, did you, did they have avenues for you guys to, to talk to somebody or help yeah. here or manage this? Oh yeah. 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 There was sports, uh, psychologists that would come to us with big race for big races, or there was uh, a couple people usually that were hired, and they were always at the Olympic training center that would help you out or, you know, and, and they weren't necessarily like, I don't know. It's not like a site, like your typical psychologist where they sit back in the chair and, and how, listen. how do you feel about this? Yeah. Oh, well, why did you do this? Oh, uh -huh. more of just, you know, they would do stuff like that if you really needed. But in reality, it was, if you had a bad race, they would help you work through it of like, from a mental standpoint of like certain, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Certain areas and everything where they would help you use your mind to get over like certain fears or like just to calm it down in certain times. Cause there's, you know, it, before a race or an event or certain sports, your mind can just go a million miles an hour. And so they can give you tools in certain ways to really just, just, calm it down yeah yeah and it's probably needed a lot oh yeah without a doubt a lot of mindfulness goes on within sports more than people think yeah and it's needed more than people think yeah i think they we look at them and we watch them on tv and we're like you know that they're nervous you know that you know their their mind is messing with them but i don't think we understand it to the point no. that what they're going through. Well, and everybody else is different. You know, yep. that starting line, I'm thinking, I don't know who knows what, and that other guy's thinking something completely different that yeah. he's born with, you know? Yeah. That's Every, awesome. it's, it's weird. So, well, how long did you, how long did you do that? Well, what'd you do after you finally, you were done, you were done cycling. Have you ever given up cycling like a hundred percent? So right before Rio, uh, I crashed really bad, mm -hmm. really, really bad. And that was a, as a time when I was like, I'm just, I'm, my heart wasn't in it anymore. Plain and simple. I could, I could tell the passion was gone. It became a job and, um, I decided to move away from it. So I, I wouldn't say I quit, you know, mm -hmm. um, I hate the word retired, I just, I decided that I, I just did not want to, I just didn't want it anymore. Plain and yeah. simple. Um, yeah. You know, say what you will about it, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. Um, my close friends and family and coaches could tell it just, it was always such a hard, hard stretch for me to keep going. So I decided to stop, you know, um, after that crash, you know, and it took a little bit to re rehabilitate and everything from that because 
broke a bunch of ribs, shattered my collarbone, concussion, all the other good stuff. And a lot of people don't realize that, but cycling, cycling really uh, is a pretty gnarly sport. You know, there's not much protecting you except a bunch of spandex lycra. Yeah. From, from the pavement, you know, but uh, yeah. So after that, uh, I had met my then girlfriend who was my wife. And so we, we started and I, I basically was a, was a bum again, just fly fishing and running into the mountains. And, and, uh, the whole time I, I'd started running again and did a bunch of ultra marathons and was just loving it. Um, and, uh, we decided to get married and we were going to get married and plan to be married. And then, uh, basically we, we're surprised with great news of my son. Okay. So we're about that. And then, so since with, uh, <laughs> it's such a journey, it's, it's hard to, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but we were like, well, this is great. And she, at her job, she travels a lot or she didn't. So she was gone for a week, every other week. Okay. Um, and so she wanted to be closer to family uh, when she's from Akron, Ohio. And so uh, this is how we moved out here. But this, she was like, well, I'm going to put him for promotion. And she didn't get it, but they gave her this Buffalo territory. So long story short, in the span of four months, we had to finish planning our wedding. We got married at the DMV, but then we still had big, the big planning wedding. Uh-huh. We were starting a new job. Uh, we had to sell our house in Colorado. We had to come here in three days and find a house to buy because as soon as she was medically able, we had to move across the country. So all these things, it was pretty crazy, but that's what brought us out to Buffalo, New York. We knew nobody, no ties, no nothing here. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, the first day here, I put out my Marine Corps flag and my neighbor came out and was like, yo, you're Marine? I'm like, yeah. He's like, me too, man. I'm like, this is awesome. He's like, you need a job? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, you have a pair of boots? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you ever cut trees down? I'm like, not really. So I started doing that, started doing tree work, and I fell in love with that. And that's been my new thing of just uh, chasing my passions. And, and uh, I love everything about it. I get to climb trees like a little kid every single day and cut things out and rig stuff and branches and all sorts of great things. And I, I absolutely love every single minute of it. It's extremely physically challenging. Uh, you know, I'm basically in a tree climbing for about eight and a half hours a day right now. Wow. Cause we work four tents. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But so it's, it's, it's great. I love every single minute of it. Who'd have thought. <laughs> so I mean, in a nutshell, that's been the journey so far. Wow. Are you still running? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been running a lot lately. I went, you know, it, it goes and ebbs and flows. Um, but recently I, I got, uh, a fire again, lit up and I've been running a bunch and I have, a a four, four coming up. I don't know if you know what that is. No. Explain. So, uh, every four hours you run four miles for 48 hours. Okay. So, and it's, it's, 
four miles isn't the craziest thing, but it's more of a mental challenge that you have to go through. And cause you're waking up at, you know, eight, yeah. 12, four, eight, 12, four, eight, you know, all these throughout the day, throughout the night and you're going and running four miles and it's all about not getting comfortable and pushing through those limits again. And is that something that you just do, you do on your own yep. or do you go somewhere? Yeah. No, I just go on from the front door and just go on. <laughs> last time I did it, it was in the dead of winter. So it was like at least 12 degrees with a feel of like minus three, all sorts of stuff. And Oh my God. I don't miss any of that. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm originally from Michigan. So yeah. no, I know the gray. That. I know you the know gray. That. Yep. Yep. you know as soon as october comes around it's just this gray dreary yep. cloud that just never leaves until maybe late spring yeah i don't i don't miss it but <laughs> but it's weird though now you know i've been in north carolina for 10 years and now i'm like okay all right the sun you need to go away you got you gotta go i mean it's hot 90 i'm like all right i'm done with you um, and now we vacation and we'll go to the cold. Right. So, you know, but I don't know if I want to live in it again. It it's, it's definitely different. It you is know, different. Cool people. I'd be moving to Buffalo and they'd be like, they would just gas and they're like, they couldn't talk. <laughs> and they're like, they would act like as if I was moving to the frozen tundra above the Arctic line or anything. Close. Like, it's close like, to it. Close <laughs> to it. <laughs> You know, I have, yeah, I don't know. It's not that bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, whatever. You just put on another coat. Whatever yep. Yeah. Go out but, and so do I, it. I got that. I got an, uh, a marathon in October that I'm doing, but I'm going to do it a little different. I'm going to run from the start or from uh, my in-law's house to the start. And then uh, if I feel good afterwards, I'll run back. And that should probably be somewhere around 40 miles okay uh, yeah yeah and then, and then i got some other stuff in the making i i've recently tried been trying to figure out uh there's a thing out here called the seaway trail and it goes from i can't remember at the top of my head now but it's uh it's a 518 mile uh trail basically a pavement trail but it goes along lake erie okay along like lake ontario down lake erie and the side of it and everything and and uh, I don't really care to set any records or anything, but I'd, I'd like to find a, a uh, like a foundation, do something and run some miles and stuff like that and figure out how I can do that. But that's some stuff that's in the making. And yeah, so I'm still running. I'm still, I don't know. My big thing is just trying to suffer to, to grow. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on the bike at all? Or are you nope. done? Yeah. For now, oh, I got some really nice bikes that are just up in my attic. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'll probably come back. I'm not, you know, now that my son's been riding bikes, I've been really wanting to bring them back out and just uh -huh. you know, not like go crazy, but just ride with him. But once he gets a little better and he wasn't crashed as many times, but <laughs> he's only three, so he's just well, three, he's know, got a little bit of a time. lot of the time. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's fantastic. No, that was good, man. I appreciate you coming on. I, I like yeah. your stories. You know, it, 
they're so damn different, you know, from yeah. bullfighting yeah. to, you know, Marines to cycling to running to tree climbing. I mean, yeah, I'm, I love it. I'm just someone literally who loves to chase passion. I never, I never believed in, in, in the recipe of just having a nine to five job of just to have a job. I've always felt like there was just a dull and unsatisfying or unfilling life, you know, like, yeah, there's just, and whether you love doing your job, that's great. But I just never believed in doing something, uh, to just do it when I really didn't, that's not what I felt like I needed to do. Yeah. It was called or anything, you know, I just, no matter what, I just ran with my passions and, you know, and good it's what I did. and it's suffered a long 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 way and i learned how to deal with that and yeah you know, it's just i think you look back on those sufferings like we talked about and it's it's the it's the journeys that i love and yeah it is you know yeah 100 100 well man i appreciate this and uh i i wish you all the best of luck dude well no thank you so much i really appreciate you having me i hope I hope it's uh, something entertaining for you. And I think it's good. I like, I like getting people on here and telling their stories and they're different and they're entertaining and, you know, and uh, you know, I like it. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of beyond grit with your host, me, Robert Young. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review tell somebody about it. You can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms and be sure to tune in every Wednesday for another exciting success story of somebody going beyond grit. Until then, take care.